This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. Hey, movie addicts, welcome to Cinema Fix, your stop for the purest, highest quality movie reviews on the block. I'm Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined today by my fellow dealer, Monica Castillo. Hello, Andrew. How are you doing, Monica? Seen any ghosts lately? No, I've been really fortunate not to see any ghosts other than the ones that I saw in Insidious 2. Yes, this is episode number 65 of Cinema Fix, focused on the movie Insidious Chapter 2. If you're new to the show, basically this is the program on Film Geek Radio focused on in-depth discussion of mainstream blockbuster films. We are here to satisfy your addiction to quality conversation about the movies, and each week we release an episode in two parts. The first part, which you're listening to right now, is a 10-minute long spoiler for your review of the film. That way you can get an idea of what we thought about it and whether or not it's worth your time to check out. The second part is a much more in-depth analytical discussion that does contain spoilers, so if you've already seen Insidious Chapter 2 and you would appreciate that type of conversation about what works and what doesn't, definitely listen to that. Monica, we were supposed to do an episode all about Riddick, but stuff happened. Stuff happened. We were both out of town. Uh, well, I'm, I'm out of town, but the big thing is that your computer, like, died. Yeah. But she's back. She's back. You have resuscitated your computer. Computer 2.0. So we can talk about Insidious. Before we do, though, is there anything you want to say about Riddick? Ridiculous. I think it was okay. I mean, I hadn't seen any of the other Riddick. I haven't seen the second Riddick. I've only seen the first Riddick, and I slightly barely remember that. So I think it was an all right installation. Of course, it's a silly male fi- fantasy. It's not exactly anything to stop what you're doing and go check it out. I liked Riddick. Um, I, I just watched Pitch Black and The Chronicles of Riddick a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And you're right. They're extremely forgettable. I barely remember them, even though I, I've, I've seen them within the past few months. <laughs> I actually think that Riddick is probably the best of the series so far. You're right. It, it's a very, it's just a standard, typical guy movie about a tough guy doing tough things. It, it, it's the manliest movie of the year, probably. Probably. For the first half, it's about Vin Diesel battling alien creatures, and that's fun. And then he starts killing bad people, and that's fun too, and there's some good gore. Well, the first half of that movie is like adorable dog and Vin Diesel, and how could you say no to that? Yeah. But then it gets it gets all actiony and silly. I, I liked it. I liked it. It's definitely it's not a game changer or anything. Yeah. But I I was very very entertained. But uh, let's move on to Insidious Chapter Two. Monica, why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners what this movie is about? Insidious Two was directed by James Wan, and it picks up right where the first one left off, with Josh Lambert, played by Patrick Wilson, having murdered medium Elise Reiner after his body was possessed by an evil spirit. His wife, Renee, played by Rose Byrne, moves the family into the house of her mother-in-law. It isn't long before mysterious forces start haunting them again. She hires Specs and Tucker, the paranormal investigators from the first film, to figure out what's going on and how to bring her husband's true self back from the further. Here's a clip. It's still happening. 
What is? I heard the piano playing by itself downstairs, and I found Callie on the floor of her room by her crib. Well, maybe she climbed out of her crib. Has she ever done that before? What? What is wrong with you? Renee, I, I just want us to move on from this. That's all. I want us to be a normal family again. There is nothing normal about this, okay? Uh, These things are still here. Okay. Elise is dead. No one's talking about it. Someone murdered her. Then let's talk about it. You think I did it? No. No, I don't. Good. I don't. Good. I don't. Good, because I know what happened. I went into that place to get our son back, and something evil followed me and killed Elise. All right, this is part one of our episode on Insidious Chapter 2, so we're just going to take ten minutes to give some general thoughts on the movie. I am starting the clock now. Monica, a few months ago, we reviewed James Wan's horror film, The Conjuring. Yep. Which you really liked. I thought it was okay. I I, I liked it overall. Man, you had a serious issue with that title. I did. (laughs) You were spazzing out over it. I wasn't quite as in love with The Conjuring as as you were, uh, but at the time, you said that you had not seen Insidious, and I am a big fan of the first Insidious. Did you see the first Insidious film before you saw Chapter 2? Nope. Wow. Then I am not sure how you understood anything (laughs) that was happening in Chapter 2. I didn't. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I guess there's a reason why you watched the original. (laughs) This would be one of them. I've seen the first Insidious movie like probably four or five times. I watched it again before I saw chapter two. And I was surprised how much chapter two requires seeing the first one. Good, because I not I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> because it begins right where the first one left off, and it doesn't bother to really explain what happened. So if you do not know, you might not understand what is going on. I mean, they flash back enough that you're, you're able to kind of piece together certain things. I guess I was just able to follow along anyways. Okay, well, I'll let you start. As someone who has not seen the first Insidious film, what did you think of Insidious Chapter 2? Well, I just kept remembering how much better The Conjuring was. It's kind of weird to have a director's work, like, open so close next to each other. I guess the nice thing about The Conjuring is I didn't have to see (laughs) the one that came before it. So, yeah. Uh, It goes in some very strange directions, and I don't know if the first one could have helped with that. I just kind of kept with it. It mines a lot of horror tropes. But he, Juan is still, like, amazing building suspense in his film. So even if it's something silly, it still kind of makes you jump. There are a few times where I felt that it was more on the sound editing side in terms of just, like, jacking up the sound to being really loud so you jump just because it's a loud sound in middle of quiet. Oh, yeah. James Wan is a master of jump scares, and the first Insidious movie is the same way, where there will be, like, a sudden screeching of violins, or there will be, like, banging on a piano. But even just him using the camera in order to get you tense, like the peering around the corner, or just looking along a wall, or even when he's, like, doing a continuous shot down a hall, and you can kind of see, like, a person on the corner of your eye that you know is, like, a ghost and it's not supposed to be there, but as the moment the character sort of crosses another, the one I'm thinking of is when uh, Renee is going down the hallway and you see a female specter on the corner. She passes by a like a pillar or so in the hallway, and when you see the same part of the room where the ghost was, it's gone. 
but it's a continuous right. shot. Right. So that means either someone had a duck or <laughs> some movie <laughs> magic was involved in order to get like that realistic thing going. I like those moments. He's very creative. Yeah. I just, I just kept, I really appreciated Conjuring more, but maybe it's because I didn't have Insidious on hand, the first one. Well, yeah, we, we talked about that some when we talked about The Conjuring, just how James Wan is so good at using the camera and framing things in a specific way to just build up the tension and then show you something really creepy or unnerving that'll suddenly disappear or just be there on the side mm-hmm. of the frame. And th- there were some, some scary moments in Insidious 2. I cannot speak fully as to how effective they are because I went to the worst kind of movie theater to see Insidious 2. It's one it's one of those theaters that uh, doesn't completely turn off the overhead lights. Those are a pain. Did you go out and complain? They are awful. I should have. But it, but it, it was like this old auditorium, and I don't know if there's like a fire code regulation that says they have to have a certain amount of lights Ew, no. in case people need to get but out. Do they not have lights on the floor? No, this one did okay, not. Okay, so maybe that's why they kept. they probably have to keep the lights on. But that's weird because even Art Deco theaters and a lot of like um, rep theaters from like the 30s and stuff, they've been retrofitted to have the lights on the carpet. That is a fire code for escape. Well, this one did not. So that was kind of irritating. That's super irritating for a, a horror film. Yeah. That's like, yeah. I'll watch the movie with the lights on, guys. <laughs> so the movie was kind of creepy, but it didn't, it didn't really scare me, probably just because the room wasn't entirely dark. The thing about Insidious 2, like... I, I really love the first Insidious film. The first Insidious starts out as a very standard poltergeist mm-hmm. film, and then the third act takes this really sharp turn and gets kind of campy where Patrick Wilson has to, like, go into the further. There's all this, like, stuff with astral projection where it turns out he and his son have, like, left their bodies, and they're, like, trying to find each other in the spirit world. And it gets campy, but it's still creepy and, and just kind of weird and unique. This is the second chapter we're talking about, right? No, that's, that's what happens in the first film. Really? Okay. Okay, because I thought you were just talking about the second one. No, no. Here's the thing, though. If, if people didn't like that aspect of the first film, if people didn't like the third act of Insidious, they're probably going to hate Insidious 2 because James Wan and his writing partner, Lee Winnell, they, they take the campier elements of Insidious the first one, and, and all this stuff with astral projection and leaving your bodies and going out into the spirit world, and they just run with it. And this movie gets so loopy, I was just kind of in awe of everything they were doing. It reminded me a little bit of Paranormal Activity 2 in a weird way, in a sense that that's another horror series that started out as just a typical se- horror series about a haunting, and then the sequel kind of tried to add on to this like mythology and turn it into this larger, more epic story about a family being haunted and what happened in their past to cause it. And Insidious tries to do that, and it just goes all out, and I really like everything that they're trying to do, but they're trying to do so much, it just does not come together. It's a very, very messy movie. Yeah, it's kind of like... Everything they didn't get to do in the first one, they're going to try and do it in the second one, and it just it doesn't come out. Yeah, th- there are a lot of great ideas in Insidious Chapter 2. The problem is they don't feel like they come organically from a story like this. Yeah. He incorporates elements into this script that really start to make you want more details about how this spirit world actually works, and just the mechanics of it. And that is not 
something the audience should be wondering if the whole point is just to scare them and freak them out with the unknown. Yeah, it's kind of when you start explaining what's in the car, it kind of takes the magic away. (laughs) Right, right. It's not like a really fast car that can do anything. It's a car with this amount of engine and horsepower and whatever. Right. The the movie feels trapped between these two different ideas. It wants to scare you with ghosts and these very abstract spiritual things, but at the same time, it also wants to add onto the mythology in a way that that makes you long for an explanation as to why things are happening in, in, in certain ways and what exactly can these ghosts do? What exactly is the further? How does it work? And they don't really answer a lot of those questions. Meanwhile, there are other questions, like what's going on with Patrick Wilson's character, Josh, mm-hmm. that they stay rather vague on. So it's really kind of strange. It feels like it can't quite figure out which questions it needs to be answering and which ones it's okay to sort of leave up in the air. Yeah, and I think I overheard another critic talking about how um, the first one... There's actual demons, like you see creatures and monsters, am I right on that? Yes, the the primary villain of the first film is this demon that is trying to possess the body of Dalton, mm-hmm. the yeah. son. The son did this whole astral projection thing where he like left his body while he was sleeping, and he's lost in the further, and he can't get back to his body. And meanwhile, there's this demon that's trying to get in and possess his body. And then that is like completely gone in this installation. Right. Here, it's actual like dead people and ghosts and yeah. souls. Again, does it all take place in one universe? <laughs> like you switching your bad guys. Right, right. And and these ghosts and these spirits, some of them were yeah. present in the first film. But you're right, they never really clarified, like, okay, why are these people like ghosts? What can they do? There's also apparently demons. How are they yeah. different? How do, how do these demons come about? So you're right, there are questions. The thing about the first movie is that I didn't really ask those questions. You don't really need answers to those questions. It's a very simple premise. Oh, there's a family being haunted. The son is supposedly in a coma, but he's actually having this out-of-body experience. And the father needs to go rescue him in the further and prevent this demon from taking him. It's pretty simple. All the details, you know, you don't really need to know the mechanics of the further and what this universe is like and how it all works to be invested in that story. But then with Insidious Chapter 2, they just, like, expand it so much where there's so much going on. They're going back and forth between stuff in in the real world and the further. There's, like, weird time travel type elements. It just gets so complicated and convoluted that you just start asking yourself, especially once the film is over and you're trying to think back and figure out what all was happening, it just really leaves a lot of questions unanswered. Yeah, questions unanswered is pretty accurate. Or if you're like me and you had no idea what you were getting yourself into, just, I'm lost. (laughs) The movie doesn't make a lot of sense. I just understood, like, oh, people in trouble, ghosts. And end scene. <laughs> yeah, like like there there's some enjoyable stuff, and, and there are some spooky moments. But from a script perspective, yeah. it really needs to go through another draft or two. It just doesn't quite fully mesh together. Even if you have seen the first film, there are still a lot of things that just don't make much sense. I'm going to talk about some of the weird mishmash and 
the kind of stuff that one uses from previous movies, because there's obviously a lot of nods to Psycho and Silence of the Lambs and The Shining. So I'd like to move on to part two. All right. Well, Monica, would you recommend people go see this film? Um... If you've seen the first one, I'm sure you'll enjoy it more than I did. (laughs) Maybe I should have heeded your word. (laughs) (laughs) I would say if you have seen the first film and you and you like the first movie, give it a chance. It's it's not as good as the first film. It doesn't quite all hold together, but it just gets so weird and loopy and kind of campy and crazy that it's worth going to see just to see everything that they try to do. They don't really succeed in pulling it off, but they're trying some really interesting things. So I I would recommend that people go check it out just for that. All right, that'll wrap it up for part one. Don't forget to tune in to part two for a much more in-depth analysis of the film, and don't forget to tune in next week when we'll be discussing Prisoners, a.k.a. the movie I have seen the trailer to way too many times. I am sorry. Every time I go to the movies, it plays before every single film. I don't understand why. Yeah, and usually for critic screenings, they don't have any trailers play. I know a lot of critics who like to avoid trailers, myself included. And then they've actually played the trailer to this in front of movies, at least two or three screenings I've been to. Yeah. So even I'm actively avoiding screen uh, trailers, and they're putting it there. Yeah, the marketing for this movie's been insane, but hopefully it'll actually be good. I don't know. We'll find out next okay, week. We will find out. Uh, we'd love to get your feedback on the show. You can email us at cinemafix at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com. You can also subscribe to the show through iTunes, so if you liked this episode, please write us a review. That would really help us get the word out about the show. You can also donate to us through the website. We really appreciate your help. And don't forget to check out other great shows on Film Geek Radio, including The Thin Place, Navigating the Newsroom, Avenging Angels, and The Nerdy Projectors. Monica, where can people find you online? People can find me on Twitter and Tumblr at Movies. That's M-C-A-S-T-I Movies. They can also find my reviews reposted on the Boston Online Film Critics Association website at BOFCA.com. You can find some of my writing at MovieMezzanine.com and Pathios.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at WriterAndrew. If you do follow me, be sure to send me a message and let me know you're a listener, and I will follow you back. That'll wrap it up for this episode. I'm Andrew Johnson. I'm Monica Castillo. And have fun this week in Cinema. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio! Yeah!